Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby here on the Believe Podcast Networks. I'm Jeff DeForest along with one Mike Luby Lubitz. Uh, we had a lengthy discussion on our Ion Channel show and featured many people weighing in as to uh, who reigns supreme in the NBA East, a wide open competition where our hometown team, the Miami Heat, uh, currently in first place, although uh, lost a real tough one last night uh, in Milwaukee, and we welcome to the show one of our favorite people to discuss basketball with, or anything for that matter, the original coach of the expansion Miami Heat, and now uh, a brilliant part of the Heat broadcast team. We welcome to the show our good friend, uh, and uh, we call him Coach, uh, Coach Ronnie Rostein joins us here on the show. Of course, you remember him uh, with the Bad Boy Pistons as well. Uh, he was a guy that uh, taught Bill Lambert how to body slam Larry Bird. I mean, just a fantastic influence on, on uh, the NBA. Great, great guy. Uh, Ron Rostein joins us here, original coach of the Miami Heat. Uh, and uh, Ron, I, I, I saw a headline. I didn't get a chance to watch a game last night, Miami Heat. Uh, and we're trying to figure out uh, who's reigning supreme uh, in, in the Eastern Conference. And I, I saw a headline this morning as I was uh, looking up the result. And it said, uh, defense uh, stymies heat in late going as uh, Bucks pull out narrow victory. And I thought, okay, well, this might have been one of those 74-71 games from the past Heat-Knicks series that we were familiar with. And then I see the finals like 120-119. And I couldn't help but think, I mean, uh, how has defense changed <laughs> to the point where uh, you're, you're being applauded for your defense in a game where you gave up a buck 19 uh, in regulation? Well, it was the last, the last two minutes, um, we had a three or five, I think we had a four point lead. Actually, the last minute. Uh, we had a four point lead, if I remember correctly, under a minute to go. And uh, we turned it over. And Middleton came down in transition, pulled up and made a three, made it, made it one. And then uh, went down the other end. And they had a foul to give. And, uh, well, or maybe we just called the timeout and we advanced the ball into the front court and uh, we failed to inbound the ball cleanly and they tied us up, won the jump ball, went down and scored the winning basket. We didn't have any timeouts left because when we first tried to inbound the ball, we couldn't get it in. We had to call another timeout. That was our last timeout. So after they scored, we didn't have any timeouts left. So it came down to um, their defense stepping up, our offense lacking execution in uh, two key possessions down the stretch. That's what they meant by defense. That was interesting, too. I guess they also talked about uh, Wesley Matthews, who uh, took over uh, trying to stop Tyler Hero. And uh, even though Hero had 30 points in the game, uh, he still, uh, you know, always credited Matthews uh, with, with uh, kind of cooling him off there uh, in the end. Uh, uh, you know, you mentioned inbounding the ball. Is that the longest five seconds in the history of time <laughs> when the uh, refs, uh, in certain situations, uh, it must have driven you crazy as a coach when you're screaming, five seconds, five seconds, and 
you know, you could count like 10 Mississippis and the guy still hasn't thrown a ball in and then they call a timeout and they, you know, try to do it again. Well, most of the time, officials don't want to make that five-second call at the end of the day. They really don't. But I've seen, I've seen quick five-second calls also, which is just yeah. as frustrating. But the rule actually says, uh, and I know of, unless it's been changed, when the referee counts to four, when he when he hits, if he counts four, now you see them moving their arm, and they go one, thousand one, thousand two, thousand three, thousand four, and then you call timeout, they are not supposed to award you that timeout. Oh, really? But but he, well, that's the well, that's the way the rule was originally written. Now, whether that rule has been changed or not, I don't know. I don't think so. Wow. But human nature comes into play. You know, the guy hasn't hit five, and he's at four, and he may think it's simultaneous, the timeout and the four count. So then he's going to give it to you. So, it, it, listen, you need to do a better job executing fundamentals, inbounding ball, late game. Mm. And you know what? I'm not saying it was a good thing that happened to us. That was a very hard loss to stomach. We had played well enough to win on their court. We scored 119 points. You should win the game. However, you can learn from this. Guys aren't stubborn, and they open up their minds. They can understand when they go through the film, they will see the mistakes and correct them. Better now than in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's a playoff, uh, you know, series, uh, you know, no matter who you face, that, that- – it figures to be wide open and very challenging for all the teams uh, that are involved. Because, uh, I mean, I, it's funny because uh, for the last several years, everybody was under the impression, and maybe it was true. I, I don't know how you feel about it, Coach Rothstein, but, uh, you know, that, that the West was the heavyweight uh, and uh, the East uh, was, you know, going to be hard-pressed to, you know, do anything uh, once they got around to the final round. And it just wasn't quite as good. But, uh, wow, it, it looks like the weight has shifted uh, is that your thought also? Because uh, you could look at five or six teams in the East and, and find difficulty separating them in terms of their potential to win it all. Well, you know, if you look in the West, I did this the other day. In both the East and the West, there were six teams, one through six, that have at least 36 or more wins. Wow. Wow. So there is, there's, there's 11 teams that are bunched between 41 and 36 wins, and then there's Phoenix. Actually, I'm sorry, Golden State, I think, had 42 or 43, and then Phoenix had 49. But they'll come back to the pack a little bit, probably with Chris Paul being out. But if everybody's healthy going into the playoffs, and, you know, you got to look at Phoenix, had been there last year, lost in the finals, um, but having a great year, you know, and a lot of times that loss in the finals, I've said this, and I think I'm not I'm not making this up, and it's not something that I've noticed only. I mean, a lot of people know this. A lot of times, many, many times, you have to lose in the finals before you win. And then you are fueled with that loss, and you learn your lessons. And Phoenix is on track to do that. But health is such a big thing. Who knows who's going to be really healthy come playoff time? Because that's a, that's a huge fact. Ron Rostein with us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Uh, 
And it's interesting, too. I mean, the situation in last night's game, uh, the, the failure to execute there in the end game by the Miami Heat on uh, what normally would be uh, somewhat of a routine uh, play to uh, go ahead and be able to perform. Uh, uh, there's been some talk, and uh, we had a conversation uh, with, with one of our analysts about it, and he, he was saying that the, the Heat aren't necessarily uh, diverse enough in, in the way that they close out games that almost, uh, you know, many of the other contenders have a, a one guy that's a definitive go-to guy, but that, uh, that that may not be beneficial for the Heat if they have an over-reliance on Jimmy Butler uh, in, in that spot. Uh, is that something that you see? Uh, do the Heat need to uh, kind of address uh, how they, uh, you know, ha- have, uh, you know, the ability to close out or, or clinch games uh, in, in those final couple of uh, possessions that are so important? Well, I think it's easy uh, from afar to make statements like that. Uh, but when you're with the team and when you're with your players and with your – you know, no one knows a team better than its coach. I don't care what anybody says. Okay? And um, no one understands the temperature of a team and the inner workings of a team and the personality of the team, the personality of its players. So, therefore – um, I dismiss a lot of that stuff. Um, you have to go to what you know is what works for you. And a lot of times there are numbers to back it up, and there are other times those numbers are sort of uh, sort of sort of plastic because you don't take into account certain situations, certain developments. And one of the things you got to look at is you got to look at end-of-game situation. Last night was not a good one. There have been plenty end-of-game situations. And you know what happens? When guys make plays at end-of-games and they wind up winning, your best guy makes that play, no one says anything. Yeah. And if he fails, uh-oh, you got to go elsewhere. <laughs> you know? yeah. All right. How many games is Eric supposed to win? A lot. <laughs> a lot. Give me a break. Yeah. Give me a break. Yes. We should have told that guy yeah. he was a clown. That's uh, for sure. Uh, this, we uh, just... Listen, hey, everybody's got something. That, you know, you put somebody on and you ask them the question, I'm sure they're going to answer. I'm not sure they know what they're talking about. No, it sounded good. I mean, it really did. He had us convinced. Uh, that's for sure. That's why I wanted to get your opinion on that. We're talking with Valley Sports Florida, Miami Heat analyst, longtime NBA coach, one and only coach Ron Rothstein. Uh, when it comes to the Heat, what's interesting to me is they sit there still number one in the Eastern Conference, yet their top four guys have only played like ten or is it fifteen games together? I don't even want to know. I don't even want. I don't even know how much literally Lowry, Hero, Bam, and Butler have played together. I, that's what's to me the most phenomenal about this team. You talk about injuries, whereas they were hurt last year a lot of the season. They're finally getting healthy. If this team is the number one seed now, just think when those four get together and Oladipo gets on the floor. What are your thoughts on the fact that they've been this successful even in spite of all their health issues? Well, I think it's very unusual. Yeah. It's a tribute to the the organization from Pat on down, the scouting department, personnel people, coaching staff, players, I mean, everybody. We have a group of young guys, G League graduates, uh, that have contributed hugely to our success this year, more so than any other team in the league. And the player development and the belief in these guys is through the roof. And, you know, you don't know at this stage of the season 
late stage of the season, if you get all these other guys back, how are all the pieces going to fit together? There's not a lot of time for that to mesh. Sometimes you're better off without. Usually, no. But that's not an absolute. You never know. It, it, it could be very interesting. We shall see. You know, usually talent wins out. But it takes time for people to get on the same page. But those are veteran guys, so, you know, I could be I could be wrong in that regard. Interesting uh, dynamics uh, that have changed in the NBA since uh, the uh, All-Star game and the trade deadline. By the way, uh, would you ever consider, uh, Coach Rothstein, I mean, with your mastery of defense and your reputation for being one of the great defensive minds uh, among coaches in the NBA, would you ever have used the All-Star game video in uh, any way to try and uh, influence players and, and, you know, a way to play defense? I mean, what what was that exactly? Uh, was that even under <laughs> well, the uh, banner of total here's, pressure? Here's what I would do. I would put the film on and somehow have my video guy have the film explode and blow up <laughs> <laughs> as we started to show it. It wasn't always that bad, was it, in no. All-Star Games? I mean, uh, that was – I mean, what, what, no, what you was know, the point you know, listen. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when it changed people, but I remember this. First All-Star game I coached in was 2004. I was an assistant my one year coaching in Indiana, assistant to Rick Carlisle. And we had the best record in the league that year. And uh, Rick was chosen as All-Star coach. So Mike Brown and I and um, Dan Burke was assistant in Philadelphia. Now, we were the staff. We went to the All-Star game with and the game starts, you know, great players are out there. Um, and uh, there's nine guys just trotting around. And they're going through the motions. And then there was Kobe. <laughs> and I'm watching, I'm looking, and I go, oh, Macro. I turned to uh, Rick, and I said, Rick, what's with Kobe? He said, oh, no, that's him. <laughs> he, he only knows one way. Yeah. But the other nine were like on vacation. <laughs> Kobe just wanted to live. I mean, it was, it was, so I would say somewhere around 2000 or whatever. But I, I think even in the 90s, yeah. maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it, it, it changed in the 90s. I do know in the 80s, they went after each other. They didn't want to lose. Right. If things have changed so dramatically in the world. Why should these guys be in I think we played more intense defense uh, when I was in a recreational league at the David Posnack Jewish Center of uh, guys 60 and over. Uh, <laughs> and most yeah, of us but, couldn't bend but, down to tie our shoes. So, uh, you know, it was prohibitive that you would expend yeah, any you, energy whatsoever at the defensive end when you could easily just as well be shooting with that same burst of energy. Uh, Ron Rossin, our guest here on uh, After Hours, uh, always fascinating. Uh, we mentioned the uh, dynamic of change. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, uh, you know, the big blockbuster deal, I guess, was uh, Harden going to Philadelphia and a sulking Ben Simmons uh, going uh, potentially to uh, be a contributor with the Brooklyn Nets, although we don't know at what level or when that's going to take place. But but Harden, I mean, he seems to be reinvigorated. Uh, what's your feeling about James Harden? Because uh, we saw a, sort of a different side of him when, when he first went to the Nets, and all of a sudden he, he was – as much a facilitator and a distributor in some ways as he was a brilliant scorer throughout his career. I think James Harden, 
just recognized that he didn't, he did not feel he could win a championship in that environment in Brooklyn and wanted out. He wants to win a championship. So he basically forced the trade, Philadelphia. I mean, when I say forced the trade, you got a guy that's eating up that much of your cap and you're counting on him to help you win a championship. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't think he, me personally, I don't know this for a fact, but he just said, you know, the Kyrie thing, he said, no, no, I, I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. I signed up to play with you. was going to be the three of us. And you, but you let me down. That's what my reading is thing. So I'm getting at it. Now, when James Harden is motivated, but she seems to be reinvigorated in Philadelphia, and he's playing with, I don't know, arguably the best center in the game, and really, really, who seems to be really, really motivated, even this year, even more so since Harden came on board, they're a threat. They are here, and what's what's evolved in their first three or four games together is the emergence of Ty, Tyrese Maxey yeah. as their third scorer. Not even Tobias Harris, but the young kid Maxey, where everybody said he's got a chance to be a real special player. You know, you play with two great players, you're going to get a lot of a lot of open looks. You're going to get a lot of opportunities, but so much of the defense is concentrated on those other two. So it's Philly's. Dangerous team right now. Yeah, I, I thought that uh, was going to make a big difference, uh, and uh, it, it seems to be working very well. And a quick, smooth transition, seamless by uh, James Harden uh, to uh, you know join forces with Embiid and, and maybe even as you said, Coach, uh, make other players uh, you know level rise considerably as well. Uh, always a pleasure, uh, Coach. Uh, a wild one last night uh, with uh, Milwaukee. The Heat playing great basketball, showing a lot of depth uh, and. Uh, you know, uh, all kinds of class uh, in uh, leading the Eastern Conference. So uh, we wish you the best the rest of the way. Always enjoying your commentary on TV. And, and thanks so much for joining us here on After Hours. Always great to talk to you guys. Be well, stay safe, and uh, talk to you down the road, I'm sure. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. All right, thanks so much. That's Ron Rostein, one of our favorites here. He's he gets into it, man. He's I mean, uh, it's really great. And, <laughs> he knows uh, stuff. You know, as an original coach of the Miami Heat, I mean, suffered through, uh, you know, some really, really tough years. As he said, he had a full head of hair back then. <laughs> and, uh, it's not necessarily a guarantee if you inherit the uh, first coaching, head coaching job of your career after a brilliant run there. I mean, he was the man responsible for that uh, Detroit Pistons defense yes. under uh, Chuck Daly. And, uh, you know, a great, great run by the uh, bad boy Pistons and uh, well-respected. When he became the coach of the Heat, but uh, tagged with, uh, you know, a real, uh, you know, I don't want to say NBA bag ladies, but, uh, you know, it wasn't like it was the greatest roster that they handed the Miami Heat to work with in that first year. And they lose their first 17 games. Yeah. But they were lovable losers, man. We loved them here in town. And uh, to their credit, the Heat organization, they bring in Pat Riley and they've really never wavered. I mean, uh, they rarely have two seasons in a row where they're not some kind of a factor. Uh, in the equation, at least for the postseason. And uh, they, they've done very well uh, in, uh, you know, just uh, marketing themselves here in the South Florida area where, uh, as we said, this is the uh, city of false hope and broken dreams. And uh, usually the fans don't buy into anything, but they uh, do have a lot of respect and faith in that Heat organization. And Ron Rostein was 
obviously a big part of that history as well as their original coach and, and now part of the broadcast team. We thank him for joining us here Thanks, on coach. After Hours. Luby, a lot of fun, man. You're, you're getting yes, into some uh, basketball dissection here. Let's do on it. the Believe Podcast Network. And, uh, you know, so every now and then uh, we'll, we'll go to the uh, chalkboard there and uh, give you what we have. And we appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks so much for uh, listening on Believe Podcast. So always great to be with these people as well. I'm Jeff DeForest from Mike Luby Lubitz and After Hours with Defoe and Luby. We leave you with the thought that uh, you always have to have in mind people you just got to believe. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style, and you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. Recently we realized it's not just hurricane season that can hurt us. Any time of year, things can happen to your home or business. And the insurance company can be your friend, but they also can be your enemy. Horizon Public Adjusters, Justina Testa, are here for you to help this process go so much easier. Before you call insurance company, call Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa at 954-809-8752. Would you go into court without an attorney? So why would you go up against an insurance company without Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa? Seven to ten times more money recovered with a public adjuster than if you went on your own. If there's no recovery, there's no fee, give them a call at 954-809-8752. Why go up against insurance companies alone when you can have Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa on your side? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.